lights go down and you found yourself surrounded Astounded by the veteran crew that you discounted But we're back for our piece of this game And we remain on a mission to increase the recognition of the name That you saw on the marquee when you walked in the building to the show Thought you bought your potholes, but we feel them It's just one of our tricks, we're in the mix like trail The mic in my hand becomes a Molotov cocktail Igniting your vicinity from now till infinity Burning it down, we build it back from the ground up J vigilantes are back on a round up We're trying to reach the folks in the backs Look on the side up Alright, you know what it is, black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Welcome to Magic in the Middle of Nowhere, representing this time and this particular show for the black and yellow. Actually, it's black and gold, in my opinion, but uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, losers of the Super Bowl, um, mentioning that because at some point on this show... Our good friend uh, Robert, a.k.a. The Beamy, from, uh, well, a whole bunch of different podcasts on the MTG Cast Network, should be joining us to uh, basically rub it in my face that the Steelers lost the Super Bowl and uh, try to get me to admit that the uh, Packers are better, which, no, is definitely not the case. They just got lucky. Um, so that's what's going to be happening at some point in this show. But uh, let's go ahead and introduce the other folks on the show today uh we got chris what is up christopher what it is y'all yeah that's right and once again with us we have robert what is up robert hey how's it going yes and this is going to get confusing because we're going to have two different roberts on the show so i think what i'll do is i'll just call uh the 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 guest robert the beamy i'll just call him the beamy and i'll call uh you robert huge doucher Mm-hmm. Um, how about no? <laughs> he can call me the greater Robert, and he can be the lesser Robert. Oh, man, you guys are going to have to duke it out. We'll figure this out. I can uh, take <laughs> All right, huge doucher. I mean Robert, sorry. Uh, hey. <laughs> let me, let me, like the last show, I kind of want to start off uh, with some reader, or listener, yeah, Lisa, listener. I always say reader, like somebody's reading this shit. No, it's listener uh, email was a comment less left for us and it was actually on two podcasts ago they left it um i guess after we we had recorded the next podcast but i went back and checked it and it said uh concerning the way that robert talks on here because somebody else said that he sounded creepy and he used whispers or whatever and uh some guy named jacob says yeah i had to fast forward the parts with robert creepy guy in parentheses it just sounds like you were trying to be suave and calm uh, sounding, but it is just really hard to listen to. All constructive, though, guys. Any MTG podcast is appreciated, especially ones who aren't afraid of the explicit tag. Keep up the good work. So, I guess uh, once again, Robert, you get called out. Although nobody said anything about it for the la- in the last comment, so I guess you actually stepped it up. So, good job there. Hopefully, <laughs> I guess it's just how I talk. You know, I'm not trying to be suave or anything. No, I, 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 I know what you're trying to do, man. You, they, they figured you out that you're trying to be too suave and too cool, and uh, probably, you know, it works for me and it works on the ladies, but apparently not for the listeners. <laughs> so yeah, thank you, Jacob, for uh, piling it on <laughs> to Robert. There, real <laughs> nice of you. Let's get into the news, shall we? Obviously, it's been uh, actually two weeks since we podcasted last. We had uh, some. Uh, it's tough for our schedules to uh, make it, uh, you know, to meet up. 
we were not synced up and we had uh, some other you know family issues but we ha- had the besieged pre-release in the meantime which uh i went to robert you were in attendance at our local store and i think we we pretty much everyone had a great time i just uh enjoyed we had, we were all sitting at the tables with some of the other like uh good players that we like to hang out with <clears throat> and we were all kind of looking around at each other just everyone was just so excited i think to to be getting handed those new packs of cards i, I was giddy myself it's just fun opening new sets and and trying out new cards for the first time yeah definitely i, I was like ready to start cracking those packs but everything changed as soon as i opened them and I know Chris would have loved it. He, he likes opening new cards no matter how old the set is, just because he first thing he does every time he opens a pack is start sniffing them. Yes, they are delicious smelling. <laughs> uh, yeah, he just, if you have uh, haven't tried it, whenever you crack open your next booster pack, hold it up, give it uh, give it a, a big whiff there, because uh, the, the fresh ink actually smells pretty good. Kind of gets you high a little bit, high yeah. on magic. It is it is cardboard crack. It's that addictive ink. That's right. Um, so let's talk about the pre-release a little bit. Um, did it? Did you enjoy the faction packs, Robert? Uh, I thought they were pretty cool. I, I wish my pool was a little stronger than it was, but you know that's a different story. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we can talk about um, you know how how it went for us. Describe your card pool, what you played, how it went. Right. Uh, basically, I went Mirren for consistency, and I was looking for like go for the throat and you know burn the impure, kind of like a good amount of common uncommon removal. What happened? I ended up getting none of that, not a single card. Uh, it was just like the Mirren packs were actually kind of terrible. Uh, basically, ended up going uh, blue white. Uh, in my scars packs, I opened a Vencer and after pretty much figure that's the only way I'm going to win is to clutter up the board and then use his second ability to make all my creatures unblockable and swing it for 20 damage which is how I won a couple games so it, it did work but you know still wasn't the greatest alright yeah um oh hold on I think uh I think Robert is ready here let's see if we, we can get him on the show the beamy hello well, hell, it's the Beamy. Welcome to Magic in the Middle of Nowhere. Good to hear you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you having me on and uh, rewarding me for having my team win this week. Yeah, Do you? Uh, so let's hear the gloating. Well, no, you know what? Honestly, uh, it had to be... It was a game that was clearly dominated by Pittsburgh from start to finish, and it took a couple of special plays for them to not win the game. Uh, wow, that's uh, pretty noble of you. I haven't heard anybody else put it that way, but, uh, yeah. Ben Ben doesn't throw the interception when he gets his arm hit. They don't score. True. And and if Clay Matthews doesn't do, like, the miraculous hit on the football... The game was clearly Pittsburgh to, to win. Yeah, that was that was the the big uh, change of the tide was whenever uh, Richard Mendenhall fumbled the football. Um, <clears throat> they were in the third quarter when they really had all the momentum going in their favor, but that just completely killed it. And uh, I don't know the fact that they had four turnovers and then were still able to have a possibility of winning the game um, on the final drive. That I think that speaks volumes about the you know Pittsburgh's a quality team, but clearly Green Bay was too. So it was it was a good game, which I think most people uh, wanted. So 
works out for everyone and and you know i th- i know we'll be back later we're 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 up in the contention every year so I, i'm okay with it I've, I've now seen them lose two super bowls and win two i'm i'm okay with that and and how many times now have they been in the super bowl in the last 6 years oh that's right three so you know yeah yeah you can talk about New England having their wonderful run of winning three and four years or three and five years. Yeah, and they even went to another one and lost it. Yeah, you think of how difficult it is to do stuff like that, and you know this Pittsburgh team is just set up and ready to roll. And I apologize for interrupting what you guys were talking about ahead of time. So apologize for the rude interruption. So no, um, you're okay. Yeah, um, we, just got, we just got done recording Hardcast, and that uh, ran a little longer than I thought. We had a little more content than we intended to this week. And how did that go? First first one of those hardcast podcasts, right? Yeah, well, it's the second one. We didn't have a name for the first one. But, yeah, it went really well. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about, uh, obviously, with Pro Tour. Pro Tour Paris going on and the Channel 5 all crew doing really, really well. <laughs> you okay. Know, ben, you know, Ben Stark in first and uh, uh, Apollo in ninth and uh, Luis in 14th. And I forget who was in 13th. But, yeah, when they have four of the top 16 going into day two. That's, that is awesome. That's, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, we were actually going to get to Pro Tour Paris here a little later, so I'm glad you you have all the info on that. Um, where we were at uh, right now is actually we haven't recorded since the pre-release, so we're talking about our pre-release a little bit. Um, the uh, other Robert uh, was talking about his pre-release and his uh, bad beats on his card pool. By the way, I, I was trying to figure out what to call you guys, um, so I'm just going to refer to you as the Beamy. Okay. And, and I, I, I was going to call Robert Huge Doucher, but he didn't like that. So <laughs> I, I might go, I, I might, uh, I don't know. I, what What is your, like, internet handle, Robert? Well, it, it actually, it's it's under the beamy, but you know what? You can just, I mean. Oh, know. I met the other Robert. <laughs> oh, him. Yeah. Um, oh, they call me Robert. Well, your your internet uh-huh. is Zephyrus, right? Uh, my email is, yeah. Yeah, does that work? No. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll call the B- the beamy the beamy, and I'll call Robert Robert. So it's not getting too confusing. And I, I apologize <laughs> for for that. <laughs> you don't want dueling Roberts? Come on. So when you say Robert, we can both answer at the same time. Come yeah, on. Back. Could, could get messy. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, let's let's get back into it here. I was going to talk about my uh, pre-release. Um, I actually had a ridiculous uh, pull for my original, uh, for my first pre-release pull. Um, I had Contagion Engine, I had um, Engulfing Slagworm, I had that new dragon that was in, uh, that new red dragon from Besieged, and I had, um, oh, what else did I have? Oh, I had that um, Thopter Assembly. So, those are all, you know, huge bombs in limited and i piloted my deck t- uh i, I would just was running over people non-stop all night and then i actually got to be about nine in the evening and i i was in the the final match i won the first game and then i had to leave to go to work because i had to work overnight that night uh which was awful so and st- like an idiot, I didn't say, oh, well, I'm up a game. How about uh, I'd be nice and offer you a chance to split? We'll, do, we'll just split the packs. I said, I decided to have a, one of the younger players at the store, like, not 
not very good as far as play skill because he hasn't been playing very long. I said, hey, hey, how about you just come pilot my deck? And, and uh, the other the other guy I was playing, um, Jeremy, who's a good player, uh, was cool with that. So um, and he was, you know, it was probably smart of him to do that because he just he ended up winning while I was absentee. So I came in second, but uh, I was, you know, very satisfied with the pool. I enjoyed playing with the faction packs. I chose the mirror inside, and I had nothing but. Uh, Frexian opponents all night and was just decimating them. It was a really good time. Um, you know, on top of those bombs, I, I ran green red dinosaurs. I had um, like a couple of the burn the impures, a, um, a uh, turn to slag, some some good red removal, galvanic blast, and it was you know a really good time. Have did you enjoy the faction packs, the beamy? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I thought they were a lot of fun. Uh, my release was much, I had a much better deck, but totally got knocked to heck. But, uh, yeah, I had, I had Mirren and ran, uh, green white on the first one and then came back for the, the shark run, which is basically you're playing for the box. And I ran red white and both of them were very, very successful. Yeah, I'm definitely digging the red. Um, at the release, I ran red-black because I got uh, some good black removal. And then I ended up um, drafting four of those four, four, those red, uh, one red and four for a 4-4 four, four battle cry. It has to attack every turn. I forget what it's called. But I remember there was one board state I had where I had four, all four of them down on the board, and he had like maybe one blocker, and that was the entire board state. It was classic. I think, uh, Robert, you saw that one, right? Yeah, the ringleaders. I <laughs> yeah. enjoyed that draft a lot. That was a really, you know, tough pod to draft in. There's a lot of good players there, and I think every one of my games was just crazy close. I mean, it was down to the wire every single time. Yep, fun stuff though. And I mean, how do you guys feel that the the cards in Mirror to Besiege have affected the limited format? Um, some people say it, it slowed down. I think there's a possibility of it going a little faster than normal now uh, with some of the infect decks, but uh, yeah, I kind of like the slower play, so uh, I'll be drafting blue a lot, probably. Um, yeah, I think it has slowed down a little bit. As long as you have a nice clutch of um, removal, you can then draft your fatties and just, you know, try to play your early removal, and I think Blister Stick Shaman counts as that. I kept drafting those and kept playing them, and they were great against Poison decks, because there's so many one-toughness guys on their side. Um, and then you start laying down your Cold Duth of Forge Masters and <laughs> whatever you get. Oh, there are a lot of common fatties and your Alpha Tyrannixes and things like that. And, uh, yeah, so it kind of, depending on what strategy you're going, what side you're going, it, it kind of has sped up one and slowed down the other. But uh, and it still seems pretty balanced to me. I don't think it, definitely Poison is not overpowering. So let's talk about our MVPs as far as what we've played so far uh, in with uh, Besieged and Scars Limited. The Beanie, what, what cards have stood out for you and won you a lot of games? Uh, White Sun Zenith. Uh, it, is, it is great early. Like if you cast it even turn four or five just to provide that early blocker, especially against Infect and how aggressive Infect is, to be able to throw out that 2-2 blocker to be able to kill... You know, basically most of their attacks that in that stage uh, really was helpful to me. And then I will tell you a funny story, just real quick on how it went. I was running green-white, and I got enough to play Genesis Wave for 
for five. So <laughs> nice. I flip five cards. Okay. So you flip five cards. You're thinking, okay, I'm going to hit something, some fatty. I'm going to be ready to roll. This is going to be great. I flip land, 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 and like a two-drop artifact. <laughs> okay. So I'm sitting there. I'm going, okay, this sucks. But my land count now went up to like 13 or 12 or 13 or something like that. All suddenly, the next card I flip is White Sun Zenith. Oh. <laughs> and then it's like, boom. That's pretty Here's nice. Ten. How angry Here's would you? Uh, how angry right. would you have been if the White Sun Zenith was in place of that two-drop artifact? <laughs> oh yeah, oh, I would have been hurting. That yeah, that would have been, been that would have been sad. That would have been sad. Yeah, that is a that is a good play right there. <laughs> Solid. Um, I had the White Sun Zenith uh, played against me in the pre-release, though I did not actually get hit by any of the tokens. Uh, he played it at the end of his turn. Uh, but I actually had Lethal on the board because uh, Unblockable with Fencer. It was pretty sweet. Oh, well, that's nice. Uh, well, what about you, Robert? What MVPs have you played with? Uh, Spire Serpent. I, I think that card's awesome. Um, I don't know why. I just Refresh my memory. What's that one doing? It's uh, four mana, one blue for a 3-5 defender. And as a Metalcraft, when you have three more artifacts, it's uh, plus two, plus two, and you can attack with it then. Oh. Yeah, I have not had the liberty of playing with that one yet. Yeah, I had three of them in my sealed pool, and I ended up playing two main deck, and every time I drew them, I loved them. They were always five mana for a 5-7. Okay, sweet. Um, I'll tell you, uh, one that I have really enjoyed, and I think I'll try to pick up every time I see it when I'm in green, is uh, Malira's Keepers. Uh, I didn't think much of that card when it was spoiled, but then in playing with it, if you have that down on the board and you're playing against an Infect deck, no, they won't attack you. Unless they have flyers, if they have any guys on the ground, they won't attack you. It just holds their entire team at bay. It's it's so, so good in that way. And, uh, yeah, so I really like that. And Lead the Stampede, that's another one where you you flip over the top five of your deck, and every time I'd cast it, uh, and, you know, I'd had a pretty... Uh, creature heavy deck, I'd get like four creatures. Um, say I was down to three cards in my hand, I cast that. Fills your whole hand up, and then if you're playing dinosaurs, you're just laying bomb after bomb, fatty after fatty after that. So, it is real sweet. Do you guys, did you guys have any bad beat stories to tell? I threw away the uh, game for me going to the finals. It's pretty crazy. And how did that come about? Uh, I basically had two creatures on the board. It was a 2-3 or 2-4 and a 2-2, something like that. It was like four power, and he was at three. And I had enough mana to cast Vencer, and I had Vencer in my hand. And instead, I attacked with both of them into Gleesa. I don't know why I did it. <laughs> well, yeah, why, why would you do that? I, I don't. I just blanked out. I was like, oh, I'll swing and get you know, two points in, and then he'll be at one, and I'll be kill him. Oh, man. Killing my other creature and like it was just bad, bad times. Oh man, hold up, I got a cough. Huge deucer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <any>? Ouch. <laughs> uh, all right, the beamy. Any bad beats for you? Um, I actually got uh, a situation of. Uh, I've made no secret that I really like poison as standard deck, which won't work yet because it's too slow. Uh, I got Corrupted Conscious played against me when I drew out oh, yeah. one of my big fatties on me, That'll and I played it, and I thought, I'm ready to go. And then all suddenly, 
next turn he took it and said, okay, that's lethal. Oh, man. And you sit there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that happened when I was playing Robert. Uh, in a couple games in a row, I think he cast that on me, and I was still able to overcome, luckily. Oh, that card is so good. It's so it, good. It is really good. Yeah, I think that's a standard, uh, standard-worthy card, but I just, you know, we have yet to see it play yet. I don't think the metagame is right for it right now, but maybe later on it will be. Yeah, so there you go. There's uh, some fun with the Besiege pre-release. Um, also, I wanted to know from you guys, have you heard anything about whether if... Because I know some stores still have the faction packs. If you win some as a prize, you think it's worth it to save them? you think they're going to go up in value, or are they just going to be just like any other pack? Or, uh, I think they're going to be normal. I don't see them being any crazy... I don't know. Like it's the same exact cards. There's nothing different. Yeah, I, I, well, I heard that the Frexian packs were supposed to be like going for more money or something like that. So I don't know if it, next time I like if you won a tournament, you should just load up on, on if your prizes in packs. If you should just load up on Frexian coalition packs. Yeah, every time I've won any packs, I've been taking Frexian just because it has more bombs in it, more money that I can get out of them. Yeah. So. Alright. Chris, have you had any bad beats lately? Nope. No? <laughs> when was the last time you even played Magic? <laughs> I can't even remember. <laughs> that was a while ago. We gotta play soon, damn it. I know, man. Alright. Let me see. Uh, since we last podcasted, I wanted to talk about um, that Channel Fireball now has... Uh, podcasts of the week. They have like a page every week where they have like, I don't know, like the top five podcasts. I don't know who picks them or what the basis is, but I was thinking it must be, uh, pretty sweet to be on there. Hopefully we can get on there one day, but, uh, the Beamy, you probably have had a couple on there. Have you, have you noticed? Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, um, that, that is all done by Chris, uh, determine what goes up there. Uh, it's a work in progress, uh, because basically there's going to be a series of them that go up there, and I think it's going to be- eventually reflect uh, reflect what is currently listed on MTGcast. Now, there are some exceptions with certain podcasts that can't go up there, and a lot of it is the only issue they have is it's got to be PG-13 at best. You know oh, man, we'll never make it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, a- a- an occasional slip might not hurt, but... <laughs> You know, if you're having a Raiders of Teferi Puzzle Box show, that that won't make it. Even though it's a funny show, don't get me wrong, it won't make it. All right. <laughs> you know, yeah, because like, I remember Chris saying something about what he was thinking about putting an explicit tag on some podcast, and then he said, "I have two in particular in mind." He didn't name them, but I didn't. I was wondering like which one. Uh, so I guess Raiders is one of them, and what's yeah, what, what, the A team? I yeah, the A team probably the yeah. A team. Which I love, I yeah, enjoy those guys a lot. I think they have a great podcast. Um, but yeah, that they're definitely they cuss a lot, and we kind of we kind of do that too. But uh, maybe one of these days we'll we'll uh, lighten up on the potty mouth enough that maybe we can make it on there. <laughs> well, like you said, I mean, the one thing about it is, is you know, your show's got to be true to who you guys are, and <laughs> you know, that's the one thing. Like I said, I you know, I have no problem with the A team, you know, doing what they had to do. To, to do that their way, and it's successful. I mean, obviously, I mean they have a huge fan base. I mean, you know, they're wildly popular on on Twitter. It's you know, it's there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's it's 
you yeah, know, sure. it's who it is. Don't don't sacrifice who you are just to you know go some you know be up somewhere else because you know honestly you know the people that like your show really don't want you to change who you are. So yeah. you know, yeah, look at it that way. Well, let let that be a lesson to you, all you aspiring podcasters out there. Uh, be true to yourself, and uh, you know, being on Magic, uh, being on MTG Cast, just being on there, and you know, every everyone's welcome. So, just being on there is good enough, in my opinion. And I do enjoy the service that they put on for us. Um, well, if you want to use a perfect example of what can happen when just on MTG Cast alone. Figure the average Monday night episode, Monday Night Magic, gets downloaded anywhere from six to nine thousand downloads a week. Nice. <laughs> so you figure all those people that are coming there to download it, from whether it's iTunes or whatever, there's a very distinct possibility that all they gotta do is take a look and see, oh, hey, what's this? Click it, listen to it, and there you got another listener. So the more hits the better. I mean, you know, that's all I gotta say is hey, nobody thought when we were when I joined Manascrewed, you know, the count wasn't nearly as high as it is now, but you know, it took a lot of work and time and listeners just to be loyal. So anything can happen. Podcasting is just in its infancy. True. This is this is baby, baby, baby steps right now. <laughs> I mean I have you know, seen so a lot of new podcasts popping up recently. So ever since we started with our first episode up I've probably seen at least you know five or or more new podcasts since that time. So, uh, like you said, it's in it's it, it's infancy, and you know it's it's growing up quickly. <laughs> Absolutely, and like I said, it's no there's nothing wrong with it, and it's actually kind of cool because you know it's nice to be on the ground floor of it, so you can say, hey, you know what, we were here, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's roll. I know these other guys can uh, got the email also from uh, that Chris Otwell just uh, sent mm-hmm. out a couple weeks ago where he was like, uh, well, a lot of people have been asking for it, so here's how many downloads each of your episodes has had. And I think we started out with like 500 downloads, and then our second episode was down to like 200 downloads. But then each one after that kept going up by like 100. So, um, yeah, it was definitely people were willing to give us a try, and then uh, maybe... I don't know what happened with the second one. Some people thought, oh, not so good. But then as people became more familiar with us and seeing we were going to be here every week, they they get decided to give us more and more of a shot. So I I definitely enjoy it. Um, it's fun just talking about magic, you know, and it, I hope other people enjoy it as well. We've got nothing but positive comments. I was thinking, man, other people out there are probably not going to like this at all. They're going to say, you guys are too about, you know, you, you cater to new players that much. I'm not interested in what you're saying. But uh, it's been nothing but positive and constructive feedback, so I'm, I've enjoyed it a lot. Well, that's the important thing. And like I said, just be yourselves. I mean, that's the only way a show works. I mean, honestly, you know, that's that's the best way to do it. If you try to be something you're not and do something you don't really like doing, it ain't going to work, and people see right through it. True. So, you know. Catering to new players is not actually that bad. From what I've seen, the last year, Magic has exploded, like, the oh yeah, is, the past past few years, it's really really gained a lot. Uh, and I know since Zendikar came out, I think they were saying like Zendikar and then Rise of Eldrazi. They were they were some of the um, best selling sets ever. So definitely a lot of new players out there. And uh, yeah, I hope hope they appreciate the service we have to offer because I don't think there are a lot of podcasts on the MTG Cast Network. I, I hear a lot of uh, people who talk about. 
um, you know, the tournament scene. They're like, oh, I was just rubbing elbows with Patrick Chapin or Jerry T or whoever. And we're not going to be like that because that's, you know, we're here in the middle of nowhere, of course. So that that's what we got. And that's what we that that's what we talk about. <laughs> yep, fun stuff. All right. Well, um, what else in news here? We got uh, recent tourney results and, well, we can talk about the Paris uh, event that's going on right now, Magic Weekend. Um, they got the Player of the Year going on at 3 a.m., which is about, what, two hours from now, so that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, you know, you got Brad Nelson taking on uh, Matignon. What's his first name? Guillaume Matignon. Guillaume Matignon. Yes, such a yeah. nice French name. Uh, it just yes. seems like a really nice guy, because uh, I have seen him on, on uh, videos on the Internet and stuff. Um, so that's going to be an epic battle, I'm sure. And then uh, we had the Paris, the standard um, top eight. I heard uh, Rich Hagen um, read off. It was, uh, let me see, we got Coggo, um, which features uh, some of the new sword, or the new sword, the black green sword, Feast of Famine, and as well as Body and Mind, I believe. Um, there's a blue white. Uh, Blue-white control, uh, two Valakut decks, two Tezzeret decks, a Tempered Steel deck, crazily enough, and Boros. And the big uh, leave-outs here is there's no Koldotha Red, boo, because I love that deck, and uh, no no straight-up blue-black control. Tezzeret, obviously, is blue-black, but uh, it's it looks like uh, blue-black control might have fallen off a little bit. Um, did, what, did you guys, you guys probably already talked about this, uh, the beamy, but, uh, did you have anything you want to add to, to what the metagame's looking like? Well, the one thing that was really neat was, um, Chapin was Twittering this week that, uh, uh, him and Juza had found a combination that was going to crack the standard scene, and it was Tezzeret. And it's really dangerous right now at this moment in time. Because no one, except for the blue-white decks, are playing any sort of artifact removal. And they have the Divine Offering in the deck uh, as a, like a two-of, or in the sideboard as a two-of. It's interesting because right now, Tezzeret can work really well because nobody's prepared for it. Nobody's, yeah. nobody's got artifact. That's true. But give it, you know, Grand Prix, the next major Grand Prix, and you're going to try to play that people are going to start sliding and stuff in the side ports. Yes, yeah, as, as soon as a deck becomes the, like the most hated deck, everyone's aware of it, everyone's um, gunning for it, it's going to get hated out. And that's why I think right now you don't see any Kadoltha Red in, in the top eight, is because after Star City Games Indianapolis tournament last weekend, there, there was a, apparently people were saying there were a lot, like 20% Kadoltha Red decks, because it's a really easy deck to build, it's cheap, and it's pretty powerful. If it's, you know, it's not the most consistent deck, but it's, it is powerful. And so I think a lot of people were sideboard hating greatly against it in this uh, Paris tournament, and that's why you're not seeing it at all in the top eight right now. Uh, Definitely. Like, I was looking at the uh, the Tezzeret decks, and they were using red for like Pyroclasm and Slagstorm and all that good stuff, and it just seems like they were pre-boarded against Kudalta Red. Yeah, and, ma- <laughs> there. and Madignon even had, in his Tezzeret deck, he had Kudalta Red in his sideboard, or Kudalta Rebirth in his sideboard, so that whenever somebody hands him a jinxed idol, he could sacrifice it with his Kudalta Rebirth. So, I mean, just even that little simple card uh, interaction 
they were hating against. So yeah, it probably has been hated out. But as soon as people say, "Well, Kudotha Red, you know, obviously it's not placing; it must suck." Uh, they're going to stop hate sideboarding against it, and you're going to see a lot more artifact removal and things like that, and so then it should be able to make a bit of a comeback. It's always going to be a factor. I think people are going to continue to play it, but don't expect uh, green decks to possibly come back some. Um, you'll see more green, so you can get that green Shatterstorm in there. You can get uh, Thrun in there against uh, all the blue-white control decks out there that you know are packing counter spells. Thrun is going to maybe see some more play. That's the way I see the metagame going from here. What I'm curious is how people are going to go with uh, go for the throat and Doomblade. How they're going to be doing that? Like, if there's a lot of uh, Tezzeret decks, then will they be packing Doomblade instead of go for the throat, or will they be doing a split? I'm kind of curious to see what people are going to uh, to do with that. All right. Yes, indeed. That is a that is a tough choice. Um, Okay, so any well, as far as other tournaments, um, like I just mentioned, you had the the Star City Games uh, tournaments. Let me pull up the the turnouts for that. Actually, Vampires won that one. Crazily enough, Vampires is, is a solid deck. There were although that I think that was the only Vampires deck in the top 16, um, and it won it. But uh, Valakut was all over that. Littered throughout the top 16, blue black control was all uh, all over it. There were a couple Coldotha uh, red decks. One red deck wins. You had a, a Boros deck, which is also a strong aggro deck. Or no, two Boros decks, sorry. And then a green white aggro deck. Crazily enough, yeah, the meta game you know is sh- shifting somewhat. It's obviously getting more powerful. A lot of decks got some good additions in besieged. And uh, but definitely, it, we're just seeing the beginning of the evolution here. It's gonna it's gonna evolve more, and it's gonna get really interesting. I think. I even heard there was a. Uh, well, have you heard anything uh, the beamy about that uh, tempered steel deck it, that was at Pro Tour Paris? No, but it looks like, um, from what I understand, it caught people extremely off guard because it fell to like exactly what you said with Cadalta Red. Tempered steel was such this big hit on MTGO for this, like, little time frame, mm-hmm. and then everybody put in hate against it, and then what happens? Just Pro fell off the mirror. Pro to Paris, and everybody forgets about it, and someone has the balls to put it together and give it a run. Got to tell you, I, I, I give a lot of credit for that, because I don't think I would have the courage to run Tempered Steel. Yeah. Well, I imagine it runs off Metalcraft, because as uh, Robert was telling me before, that that new one drop that gets plus two, plus two if you have Metalcraft, yep. I imagine that's in that Tempered Steel deck, and it must be a pretty big beating. Uh, he said it was kind of like a new Wild Nakato almost. And Signal Pest. Oh, and, oh yeah, I love Signal Pest. I've, I've loved that card ever since I saw it. I think that is my favorite card in uh, Besieged. So, yep, love what that can, that card can do. Um, so yeah, there's there's some some of the new meta game here, um, and that's pretty much all the news I have for right now. Um, so let's move on to the next section of the podcast here, uh, which is the old deck of the week. I was gonna pre- I'm gonna present that this week with uh, one of my favorite legacy decks, and a deck that you don't actually see on the legacy circuit anymore, um, but it's still fun for casual. I still think it is decent in a smaller legacy tournament. It is. Scepter Chant. 
which basically revolves entirely around the combo of Isochron Scepter and Orm's Chant. Um, obviously that combo for two mana every turn, you can uh, cast Orm's Chant with the kicker during your, well I guess for three mana, during your opponent's upkeep, and not only can they not play spells for their own turn, but um, their creatures that they have played cannot attack. You just got your, you know, blue search um, in Impulse and Brainstorm. You got a Counterspell package in the, the card Counterspell and Memory Lapse. And most people would look at Memory Lapse and think, well, that seems stupid. Why would I just, you know, counter it to put it on top of their library? They'll just play it again next turn, and then I won't have the Memory Lapse anymore. Well, guess what? If you put that on an Isochron Scepter, and they play a spell, and you counter it, and they played it again next turn and counter it, <laughs> they're not drawing any new cards. They're not going to be doing anything except trying, basically, so they have to hold all their cards in their hand until they're ready to cast two spells at, at one in one turn. And hopefully you'd already have another counter spell in your hand to deal with that. So it's pretty funny whenever you get that going on. Um, and, you know, just some other control, Lightning Helix, uh, which is really sweet when it's on a uh, Isochron Scepter and Lightning Bolt. Uh, you got your Meddling Mage in there to hate out any specific card you do not like. Um, Swords to Plowshares. I have Powder Keg in there right now, but I guess Ratchet Bomb is probably better in that you could somehow untap it. Um, I was playing Fire and Ice before, which uh, so you could put Ice, uh, use Ice to untap it if you wanted, but I'm not playing it now. Um, and then the kill is just play Manlands, Celestial Colonnade, Fairy Conclaves. Um, obviously, you can swing in with your meddling mages. Um, and that's pretty much the deck. Um, has anyone else ever seen or played an Isochron Scepter deck? I was putting Isochron Scepter in Merfolk for a while. It was pretty fun. Uh, I like it. It seems fun, but it, it kind of gets some hate from other decks. Uh, unfortunately. Well, na- name this hate. Like Curse and Grip. Curse and Grip, yes, that, that card's a bitch. Surely. So I'm not. I'm not even sure how. I'm sure there's. Well, you could always meddling mage for Curse and Grip. That's that's pretty much the one way to stop that from happening. But uh, yeah, short of that, you're kind of at the mercy of a Curse and Grip. That's true. But it's still good. I'll uh, post my deck uh, post my deck list in the show notes, and anyone who wants to try to build it, I don't think it's um, you know that expensive of a deck to make. Um, I am running like three wastelands, which are like twenty five dollars a piece. But other than that, I don't think meddling mage or Icer Conceptor is that expensive. So, uh, and we're always concerned about you know cost on this show because, like we said before, we don't play with Jace the Mind Sculptor. And nor are we going to be because we, you know, live in an area where it's not even really worth it to get them and play it because nobody else is playing cards on that power level. Um, oh, by the by the way, the Beamy, you you live in a, some small town called Mill Mill how do you Milwaukee? It's Milwaukee. Oh, okay. <laughs> and what what do you what do you got going on there? Small town, dude. We've got like I don't know, like five hundred thousand people. Oh, small. I uh, know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've actually been there before. Um, How unfortunately for you. <laughs> hey, I enjoyed it. We went out. There was some uh, club downtown that had a couple beer pong tables set up, 
and I figured out that you guys play really weird rules for beer pong because where I'm from, I, we would have won in the tournament. They were like, but they were like, no, we get another chance. I was like, we already beat you and beat you again, and now you you get like a third chance. I don't understand this. So because they don't like to lose, that's their problem. Yeah, clearly they're just picking on the out of towners. So, but uh, you guys got some delicious beer there. I, I enjoyed uh, the lining kugels while I was there. Many varieties of that one. And that's one thing Milwaukee does have, has a bar on every street corner. Yeah, and I, I mean, even your baseball team is named the Brewers, and we yep. I, I went to go see a Brewers game while I was there. Beautiful park, Miller Park, good stuff. Yeah, that is, that is. It's one of the one of the good things about Milwaukee. Otherwise, the city, mm. Yeah, yeah, but I bet I bet you have your magic community is large and thriving, and there's probably numerous places to go to play magic, and you could probably even go and play like every night of the week, correct? Yes, that is true. You can play pretty much anything from standard to legacy to EDH to I'm sorry, commander. Um, pretty much anything. Pretty much yeah, any night, except for Sunday. Sunday's typically a bad day for magic. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Well, people got to go to go to church, I guess, because p- instead of playing with all their satanic, uh, demonic uh, card magic cards during the week, <laughs> they got to go atone for that on Sunday. Uh, you know, so it's weird how everyone catches themselves when they say EDH. They're like, "Oh, Commander." It's like Wizards has a van outside your house, and if you say EDH, <laughs> they're going to come and they're going to take you away. Well, considering this is posted on the internet, yes, Wizards can come and take us away. Bam. There you <laughs> they probably will, too. <laughs> Want to call it EDH. Yeah, the the men in black from Wizards of the Kiss. Look out. Um, so, yeah, that's good. But uh, where we, we live in a little city called Cumberland, Maryland, or, or the these other guys live on the outskirts of that city. But, uh, yeah, there's one store to play here, and if you want to play Magic, it's Friday night and nothing else because the store's only open, like, Four days a week, I guess, and the only night they play Magic is Friday because they have other games they play. So it kind of sucks because I'm always itching to play some Magic, and the only way I can really do that outside of a Friday is to invite people over to my house if, miraculously, they're not working. So um, that's what we deal with here. Yeah, it's those damn jobs that get in the way of having fun with Magic. That's yeah, the God. Can't we all just be Pro Tour players and then not have to worry about it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Um, well, let's see here. Uh, we have new deck of the week as our next section, and um, I don't know. I, does anybody have any new decks that they've been playing that they've brewed recently that they would like to talk about? Poison Crickets. Poison doesn't count, does it? Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, okay. We haven't covered it. We haven't covered uh, that as a, as a new deck yet. So tell us about your poison build. Any any inclusions that you might you know uh, you use that maybe some other people haven't. Well, ironically, what I did it with my blue black version of it, um, I actually used the manlands in there for. Well, two things. One, and a potential alternate win condition if my stuff gets hated on. Because a lot of times what happens is when they see poison, they have no problem cracking fetch lands and dropping their life total down. And all of a sudden they're worried about killing off that. And then all of a sudden they can start sneaking through my, you know, my unblockable three damage to them and really put them in bad situation. Sure. Well, what I did was, is I took out my... Butcher this because I'm horrible at pronouncing it. Scytherix. Um, I took the two of them out and um, two of the 
uncommon rats that give you a poison counter on your opponent when it comes into play. And I substituted that for uh, four Corrupted Conscious. Oh, nice. And my thought was, is I've always been a fan of Mind Control, <laughs> forever. As a matter of fact, on one of my casual decks, I I run Mind Control and um, Vergain Doppelganger in the same deck. So it kind of gets a little crazy. And when I what I try to hope for is with, you know, you put it out there and they're they're going after your stuff and they're getting it. And once they windmill slam down their primeval titan, next turn I turn around and corrupt conscious it, and now it's my six six or seven seven trample infect uh, oh. land fetcher. So first thing I imagine is when you attack with it, you go and you find uh, ink moth nexus. <laughs> Yeah, I'm missing four of those. Uh, trust me, if I did, I would. Uh, what I end up what I end up doing with that is I end up fetching the rest of my uh, manlands. Yeah, and just like I said, just setting up my alternate win condition. So in case something happens and they can nuke it or kill it, I can come back and say, okay, I still have my manlands to attack with. So now, whenever you get your ink moth nexuses, do you see yourself ditching the manlands, or you probably still want them for mana fixing? I'll still use them for mana fixing, uh, along with the other one that if you play first turn or second turn, it stays untapped. Uh, only because the blue is starting to be, you know, I didn't really, I really wanted to go down to one blue mana for everything, but the Corrupted Conscious keeps me at two. Right. You know, and um, the one thing I really like about my deck is I'm like one of the few people that use Livewire Lash. That's <laughs> the one. And then what I do is I slap, I hit it with um, um, the one that gives you unblockable and rebound. So uh, yeah. distortion, distortion strike, strike, right? Yeah. So you slap it on a uh, you know plague plague stinger, hit it, boom! It does two poison to you. It's unblockable. It does four for you if you don't kill it. It comes back round. I have my rebound. That's game. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so, are you playing Thrumming Bird in there? No, not at all. <laughs> no proliferate. <laughs> no proliferate, not at all. I run. I got rid of uh, the rest of the the rest of the, the rats and I replaced them with the uh, the knights that are double strike and protection, and I use those now. The first, you mean first strike, the black one? Yeah, the first strike black one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. That's, Have you that's thought cool. about uh, flesh eater imp at all? You know. It's it's three it's at the four slot which is really rough for me because I actually run four of Hand of the Praetors oh. and I don't that's why I got rid of uh this this Skittles I apologize I can't pronounce what I was called Skittles I was called Skittles just because <laughs> it's easier hard. to say <laughs> and I got rid of that so I dropped my mana curve down because I'm really it's so touchy with that mana and I gotta get there. And I've got to get there fast. I, I can't tell you how many games I've played this. I've gotten the eight poison counters, and then I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah, that happens. People you know, get stuck at eight or nine poison counters. Yeah, and then once they have control of the board, you're just you know you're just roadkill. That's when you need prol- proliferate. <laughs> yeah, but mm. proliferate. There's a uh, the one card. Hold on. Uh, keep talking. I'm gonna find it. <laughs> All right. Um, Sorry. So what kind of do you have a counter spell package in there? Yeah, I run uh, spell pierces, and I have on the sideboard I have uh, flash freezes and mana leaks. 
basically, I try to protect what I can to keep them off balance. And then I have uh, two Go for the Throats main deck and two Doomblade side deck. Side oh, so you go for the two and two split. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> well, that sounds cool. What's your ratio of creatures to non-creatures? I believe there is four. I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I apologize. Sure, sure. Um, now it's down to, like, um, I believe uh, 12 or 14 creatures. And because the Corrupted Conscience took out uh, two of them. So actually right. my creature count's fairly low for what it should be for that deck. But, you know... When you run four, four of the Plague Stingers and four of the Knights and four of the uh, Hand of Praetors, uh, that's pretty much what I run with now and really try to push it. The thing I've been thinking about putting in is the new Uncommon for two that taps for one mana. I've been thinking about that one, but I'm not 100% sure. Well, it sounds like basically you're as far as creatures, you're just only accepting the cream of the crop for your deck, which I don't think you there's you know that's not a bad idea. You're not just throwing in a bunch of janky infect creatures just for the sake of saying, well, uh, there's a you know this many infect creatures in there. So uh, I'm still trying to make green work, and it just never works. I th- I mean, c- but couldn't green be good with like four green sun zeniths in there? <laughs> yeah, it could be. I could be fetching Putrefax, but I guess, I guess my vision of Green Sun Zenith is elves. It just it works so well. You get it out early. You get the mana elf. You can, you know, quickly. You can just be accelerating through elves like crazy. And I, just, I see that card being best in. Although yeah, it would be good in elves, but I see it being best in a ramp deck just to get primeval titans. Yeah, <laughs> I found out soon enough. Already at my place of the green sun zenith. Yes, so, sir. Yeah. It's uh, and I found the card. Okay, Mortar which card pod. are you talking about? Oh yeah, Mortar Pod. It's the two mana living weapon plus zero plus one. Yeah, how about that? Steel one instead of live wire flash. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and and like I said, there's there's a lot of options right now, and because of my play group, um. We do two-man teams, 40 life, uh, cross from each other as teammates, and then we kind of, you know, you attack to left, defend to the right. So I have to have a lot of decks. We have to have at least 16 minimum um, to go to play with, and it's random deck, random deck, random partner. That's so, yeah, I have a lot of decks built, so I have a kind of a hard time narrowing down certain decks all the time, and that's why... I try to monkey with, like I said, I monkey with the poison one as much as I can, but I'm constantly tinkering with my other decks. Whoa. That's very cool. It sounds like an interesting uh, league you guys got going on there. Well, it just it provides more of a challenge because um, a lot of the people, uh, two of the people I play with, uh, don't ever want to change and want to stay uh, seven years in the past with their magic cards. And they don't want to change decks and make decks, and I do, and I don't want... It's also very hard. If you pick the deck you want to play all the time, uh, it's fun when all suddenly you're playing a discard deck and your partner's playing a version of a draw deck. Oh, yeah. making, making everybody draw, and you're trying to make everybody discard, so you're you know you're hitting off, and it's like, this is not working out well. Yeah. <laughs> That yeah, the randomness always adds a lot of variety and flavor to magic, so I can see that being real fun. 
Um, we used to like to play uh, Chaos Magic, or Chris and I. We'd come up with a crazy list of uh, rolling a 100-sided a die, I guess, and uh, we would have a list of 100 different effects every time. Uh, that you know every different. That this was during each player's upkeep and like say a five or six person multiplayer game, and it got pretty ridiculous. Uh, Chris, do you remember as far as like what kind of effects we had on there? Oh man, I can't remember what we had on there. It was crazy stuff though. Game yeah, changing stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it would it would change the game a little bit too much because every other turn it would be like destroy all creatures, destroy all lands. Like, <laughs> oh man, it was bad. Um, it sounds like plane chase. It is. It yeah. is. It was a lot like a plane chase kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so, so you're not just, suing for royalties? <laughs> we should, because clearly they ripped us off. We were in, <laughs> in West Virginia, and I'm sure in Seattle they heard about this. <laughs> no, they were outside. In their cars, listening, you know, because, you know, you said bad things about Watsi, and they're standing outside listening. So that's how they found out. They were up in the vents because they're ninjas. They're ninjas, yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, try that. Make a hundred different things and roll your two D10s and see what, what comes up. That's a fun way to play. <laughs> um, all right, well, thank you for presenting the, that new deck of the week here. Uh, next is, uh, this will be the last time for now that we have future deck of the week, because really the future is now when it comes to Besieged, but deck I still haven't seen come up in a big way yet, uh, maybe a couple decks recently, is the Shape a New deck, and I wanted to just talk a, you know, spitball around on that one with you guys. Um, obviously, you're going to have to be blue. I think you're pretty much going to have to be white as well um, t- for Master's Call. Um, what is the best way of building your shape a new deck? Uh, obviously, I think Ikmoth Nexus, um, sh- uh, Master's Call, uh, there was like maybe one or two other cards that would allow you to create an artifact without actually its itself being an artifact. Oh yeah, Tuck Tuck the Explorer, and then Dread Statuary, but playing Dread Statuary, it's like activate for four and then cast shape a new for four. That's eight. That's kind of, a, that's a lot of mana. Um, what do you guys see as far as being the best build for Shape Anew? Um, well, yeah, Blightsteel, obviously. <laughs> yes. Anything yes, else? Somehow, somehow Blightsteel works real well. Uh, why would you say that? I don't know. Um, yeah, there was... Uh, uh, hang on a second. Um, with white the thing about that is uh are you running day judgments in there i would think so okay because you want to keep the board clear uh, yeah stuff. it's basically uh, a blue white control deck that just throws the combo in is the that is the way i see it and, yeah you know maybe a little bit more card search to try to get to your combo pieces a little bit faster got to have your preordains your cb on so you can pitch um so you can pitch the blight steals that you draw back into the deck now, how many blight steels would you run? One, two. I think two is the correct number, because you don't want it. You never would want to end up with your one blight steel in your hand, because then you're just drawing dead. Yeah. Uh, unless, of course, you're you're building a blue white. Um, you know, you you got enough planeswalkers to try to you know get the job done without the shape anew. Um, you know, you could still get the kill with Gideon Jura and your celestial colonnades and whatnot. But uh, I think if you're if you're trying to build a shape a new deck, you, you're probably going to try to dedicate that as the as the kill condition. Yeah, the only other alternative is blue black, 
and uh, it it is interesting. The the blue black version runs Trinket Mage and uh, things like that to make it more interesting. Uh, Inquisitor calls like for card removal, duress, things like that. Uh, even Grave Titan in it, which is kind of interesting uh, as as a normal win condition. Yeah, I forget who it was. Oh my god, who was it? Was it Craig Wesco? I think I think I read an article maybe. Um, who who wrote about building one uh, with yeah Trinket Mage and then one copy of Darksteel Axe. So whenever you you pick you know you get this Darksteel Axe out of your deck and then you shape a new one the Darksteel Axe and uh, since it, the, it basically says like destroy target artifact. Um, or no, or, or maybe you have to sacrifice it. But the point was it's indestructible. So in response to you targeting your Darksteel Axe, they could not then, say, just shatter it so to make your effect fizzle. And that was his plan, uh, uh, trying to, you know, prevent the frailty that happened with the Polymorph deck, where it's like, okay, I'm going to target this creature to get out my el- my giant Eldrazi. And you're like, well, no, sorry, I'm going to lightning bolt your creature, so you just wasted that Polymorph. Yeah, it is, it is safer that way, but you got to, well, yeah... I guess I guess polymorph still can be very effective. I, I still think a mass polymorph deck could still be very effective. Oh, yeah, I'd like to see the mass polymorph slash shape a new deck. You're gonna get one of those things in your hand <laughs> eventually. What yes, if well. you if you took the deck and you put Wormpool Engine in there too as the only other artifact, and then put Treasure Mages in there? So. Get your treasure mage to search up worm coil, play worm coil, sacrifice to get your two tokens and your blight steel. Mm, I guess that's not ho- that's not horrible because or even possibly. even if you shape a nude and you didn't hit your blight steel, you hit a worm coil. It's still a worm coil yeah. engine. It's still really good. So yeah, that's a that's a thought. Really, these all these ideas you would pretty much have to play test a lot to find out what's good. But uh, yeah, we're 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 spitballing here. We're coming up with some good ideas. I think. All right. Um, let me see. Store of the week this week. Um, I was gonna do one in Pennsylvania, but I think since we have the Beamy here, um, I would like to hear him tell us about his favorite store to go to, and you know what's good about it. Um, you know what helps it differentiate itself, and give it a free plug so it can try to drum. We can drum up some business for it. Well, um, I go to a store called Milwaukee Magic Cards Games. It what makes it a little different is is the fact that they, like I said, they cater to any everybody uh, from the EDH player to the sealed player to one of the things that I wish I could do and, and it clashes horribly with my schedule is they do a sealed league. Uh, you pay for the decks and then every week you add a new pack to it and oh, the wow. winner. Yeah, and then the winner at the end of the month uh, wins. I think. 12 packs plus. So that's four four weeks in a row? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, and you, you play head-to-head against everybody and get your games in, and the guy who has the best uh, record wins the packs. And I think, like, you get, no matter what happens you play, you automatically win a pack at the end. But the what? guy who wins it all wins, like, 12. Well, that sounds uh, like it would be right up the alley of anyone who enjoys limited. Like, I know Robert is a big limited guy, so... Uh, that would be a cool thing. <laughs> it is, and they and they give you the tournament sheet to fill out your deck list with, so it's not like you're, you know, 
the guy, all of a sudden the guy, you know, goes 6-0 in the league, and wow, all of a sudden he's got all these ridiculous cards in his deck. No, they're actually, they actually use the tournament sheets to be able to keep track of, you know, what cards you actually have in your deck. And you also play the store, too. There's a store deck that gets built, too. So, you know, one of the people you play against is the store. So The store, like, who plays it, though? Like, somebody who works there? The well, owner? Yeah, the, the judge. The one of the, the head judge does. He does. He plays oh, the sweet. Deck. Yeah. So you guys have like a level what? You have a judge one. in the building? Level one judge in the building? Just a level one judge in the building. Um, you know, he's good at what he does. Uh, you know, he, you know, he's very friendly. You know, and uh, this, this weekend they're actually running their, uh, um, I guess it would be customer appreciation tournament. Uh, over the year, um, <clears throat> the players that have done the most accumulated points over the year. And then um, there's also invite seats, and that's how I got mine, because I can't play as much as these people do. <laughs> and um, it's a 16-man tournament. It's reverse draft, which means when you sit down to do your drafting, you're drafting for the guy across from you. And then it breaks down to a top four, and then from there, the guy who wins overall gets all the paid events for the year for free. So any seal, wow. any any pre-release, any release stuff, it's all free. That's so great. What is your strategy for this? Do you draft uh, like a first pick Soul Perry? Um, actually, you know what? My, my advice to this came from Ryan and Marshall Unlimited Resources. Cause like when I first found out I was in this, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking how I would do it. And then I said, no, no, I'm going to go to the experts. I'm going to throw it at them. And they said, basically <clears throat> avoid drafting as many artifacts as humanly possible. Avoid them at all costs. Cause that's easy to play and draft as many multiple symbol cards as you can get. So if you draft a, True conviction. It's three and three white. You know, you're making, you want to make it that their picks to put the deck together are so difficult that it's <laughs> hard to build a competitive deck. It's the problem is, is when it comes around at the end and like the last three picks are all going to be artifacts. Because that's what it's going to come down to. Nobody's going to take artifacts. I mean, you're going to see a lot of cards floating around at the end. You're going to actually see some, it's going to be full when that last card comes around and you're like, Oh God! I gotta give this to him. Dang. So, yeah, <laughs> it's is, a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like a great format. So, uh, and what 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 kind of community do you have there as far as number of players per tournament, things like that? Well, release and pre-release can gain anywhere from uh, I would say, depending on the amount of locations, you can get. Uh, I know some of the locations go, you know, forty, fifty. So most are 20 to 30, so you're probably figuring four major locations. Yeah, you know, you're talking, you know, a couple, maybe, uh, probably near 200 people between the locations. Well, no, nah, I shouldn't say that much. Probably 150 between the locations. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I think our, our last, uh, the pre-release we had, we had, uh, what, 17 people. <laughs> yeah, I think it was 17, and that was a good turnout. Yeah, well, that, yeah, we hadn't seen a, a, some of the, a lot of the people there since, like, the previous pre-release. It's like they only come out of the woodwork for the pre-releases, and then we don't see them any other time, which is really weird. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's the way it goes with pre-releases, though. People just want new, to see the new cards. 
Um, and it's and it's 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 geared for the more. I mean, even a casual player can do really well at it because you know you can get lucky and luck into some really good cards and put a you know good deck together and do well and earn some packs. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's fun. It's new. People like new stuff. <laughs> and you said you said it was M- Milwaukee Magic cards and games. Yep. All right. Let me do the announcer voice. Milwaukee Magic cards and games in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Stop by. <laughs> All right. Well, there's our there's your plug, free plug for Milwaukee Magic. Thank you very much for presenting the story of the week. And we'll move on to the next uh, item is topic of the week. Our topic of the week is building your collection. And this is definitely a topic geared towards newer players. Um, you just started out, you picked up your Zendikar fat pack or whatever, and uh, you've been you know, playing Magic and, and you just want to build up your card collection. What is the best way of going about that? Uh, the first, obviously, what you can do is buy packs and buy singles. But that is you know, the most expensive way to get cards in, in, uh, in Magic. There's a lot of other ways. Uh, obviously, drafting, I think, is my, you know, limited, basically, limited formats, draft and sealed deck, is my favorite way of getting new cards. I don't buy any new packs. I just try to draft as much as possible, and I will get the cards. And, you know, even if it's not in your color, you could, you know, it might not help your deck a ton, but... You could say, oh man, I've, I really want this card for a constructed deck I'm thinking of, so I'll draft that even though it's not in my colors. Would you guys agree with that as far as um, trying to build your collection? That's a good way to do it. Seems a good way. It's not the way I, I go about it, but <laughs> it, it's a great way to get cards. Uh, limited's always good because you, you get the cards that you want because you're, you're drafting. You usually draft the colors that you like. Turns now, how, how is your local store? A lot of stores have the... Um, twenty-five ten cent bin of cards. Oh. You can pick. You can pick through, and you know they're mostly commons and uncommons. Yeah, nope. So no, you don't have that. that. That's fun. That's funny that you would mention that. In that, uh, for the past three months or so, my common collection and my uncommon collection were the only source they had for that. Like I took them to the store owner. I said, "Here's all my cards." Let's sell them for you know ten cents and a common and fifty cents an uncommon and I'll split the profits with you fifty fifty, and uh, he said okay and he put them in in the case and uh, you know I probably made I don't know between ten and fifteen dollars off of it people buying cars but they just stopped buying them I mean you know it was it was the things it was just the 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 chaff the crap of of the commons and uncommons but other than that the store owner doesn't actually like when a new set comes out he doesn't start busting boxes and things to try to get a like a singles collection he doesn't have a singles case with rares valuable rares or anything like that he's really he doesn't really play magic he's just a mech warrior uh or not mech warrior i can't always say that warhammer he's a big warhammer guy so um he just plays matt has friday magic to get people in the shop but yeah there's no singles collection and i imagine there are other stores out there that are the same way <laughs> yeah it, but that's a, another uh, another decent way to do it the, you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, you can go through there and find, you know, I mean, you can find some cards in there that are actually worth something that, you know, if you're looking for that one more corrupted conscious or something like that, and to pay 50 cents for it instead of having to bust maybe four or five packs to find it. Yeah. 
No, that's definitely true. I went to, uh, recently to a store in Frederick, Maryland, um, which is a bigger city around here. And I went to the store, and the guy didn't—he didn't have like a play area or anything, but he sold a lot of magic cards. He had really old packs too. He had like Mirage, and he just had so many different sets. But he had this box of old rares, and they were a dollar rare. And I spent like I don't know an hour or more going through there to the point the guy was like, "Hey, dude, you, I'm trying to go to lunch. Can you <laughs> you need to get out of here?" I was like, "Oh, sorry." But uh, I was just looking for any rare that he didn't realize what he had, and I I don't know. I, I picked up, I only, like, doubled. I paid a dollar for, like, pain lands, like a dark art waste and things like that, where they're worth, like, $2. Uh, but, you know, still, it's it, you're right. That is a great way, like, going through the bulk bins of uh, whatever store you has that is, is a good way to go about uh, looking for value and getting, you know, m- more staple cards. True, and like I said, it's a lot of fun. And for someone who doesn't have a lot of money, you know, just to be able to pick up some extra cards to fit in the right price range is always a good thing. For sure. And uh, now when it comes to drafting, getting, buying packs, buying singles, one thing that I've started doing since I got back into Magic um, is eBaying. Because whenever I bust a valuable card, like I had a uh, at the M11 pre-release, I got a foil Primeval Titan in my Ooh. in my sealed pool. Yeah, it was real nice. And I think I went right to eBay and sold it for forty-five dollars because it's nice to trade it. Because um, you could, yeah, you could probably get some good value out of that. But it's also nice to get the, the cash in your hands, where where you can then use that in order to to. You're not just limited to trading for a couple cards. You know, you can start buying packs. You can do whatever with it. Um, you, you know, draft more. Um, if you bust a money card and you're not necessarily thinking you want to play with it, because the one thing about money cards is if you get one, uh, that's usually not going to make the best deck. You usually need about four of them, unless it's something like a Blightsteel Colossus. So it's going to be a huge investment just to get the playset to make the deck uh, to build around it. So it, I like to just take my my big money cards and go to eBay, sell them, and then use that money in order to try to you know get even more cards out of that one card. Highly recommend it. Let me see. Next up on my building uh, your collection list here is absorbing collections, which I've I've done. Uh, basically, Chris and I kind of melded our collections together. Is isn't that right, Chris? Yeah, all of all of our cards were combined. Right. So, so it's like uh, uh, it's like his collection was assimilated by my collection and. Uh, currently over at my house, but obviously he, we're both, you know, welcome to each other's cards. And obviously you need somebody that you can trust in order to pull this off. You gotta have a good friend who plays magic. And, uh, you know, I think even there were a couple other people that were involved in this as well. Um, Chuck, a friend of ours who moved to St. Louis, Missouri, and, you know, he has access to everything out there, but we have a bunch of his cards in the collection. And, um, you know, it, that's, that's, um, I don't know, it's kind of a weird way to, to build your collection, but uh, as long as you got some friends, you can do that. Have, uh, either of the Roberts, have you ever done that? I like to let people borrow cards, but that's about it. I like to keep you know, my, my collection in my mind. And what I try to do is, because, and what I try to do is, I try to have, I end up getting uh, a lot of stuff because of, my wife is a, Rummager. She owes the rummage sales all the time. Oh, yeah. And she'll pick up 
oh, they had a box of these for five bucks. And I'll find maybe one or two cards useful in it. But what I'll do is I will in turn give those to my friends and that I play with in that group and help them out by maybe giving them cards that they could actually use to build decks. And then get pissed off when they kill me. <laughs> now, I've, I've definitely heard the stories of people going to yard sales, buying a you know box of random cards that was lying around, and then all of a sudden, bam, they got you know all sorts of legacy great cards um, ready to go. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Rummage sales, yard sales, garage sales, flea markets, whatever you want to call them. Um, you, you never know when you might find, you know, my son moved out five years ago and he left all these, so I'm selling them and they're $2 for the whole box, you know. <laughs> so that's, that's uh, it's al- almost makes it worth it to ride around and, and hang out with the old ladies at yard sales. Um, as far as another way to go about getting cards um, and, and maximizing your value in trading is first you want to identify um, staple commons, uncommons, and even rares for like legacy, um, older formats. And then whenever you get your money rares for standard, try finding somebody who has these older cards and really wants some of the newer cards. They're playing standard, but they have the older cards. And try trading them. Trade them, you know, based on value, the standard cards of yours for their legacy cards. Because guess what? Their standard cards in two years aren't going to be worth nearly as much, but your legacy cards you just purchased are probably going to retain their value over a much, much, much longer period of time. And I think a lot of people don't uh, realize this, but uh, you know, especially newer players, they they are only looking for like the newer cards too. But if you enjoy Magic and you enjoy playing casually, or you're thinking, you know, one day you might you're liking it enough that you might want to diversify what formats you play in and play in some of the older Eternal formats, um, try to get that value out of your trades. And I found I found myself doing this uh, way too much recently. Is tra- like I am re- really trying to build decent standard decks, and I have a, I had a bunch of decent older cards. Like I just traded away my full playset of Aether Vials recently to Robert and another guy, and I I still am kicking myself for it. But you know it's it's just too much fun building new standard decks. So I'm the sucker that that goes for this. See, I actually got value out of that trade. Like I'm a person who trades. All the time. I love trading. I do it whenever I can. Uh, basically, I got two vials from him. I what I trade you a, a cough. Yeah, a cough or two vials. Some other random stuff. Yeah, there's that I something wanted. else in there. Something from a mind slaver deck. I don't know. Uh, then I took the two vials, and it was two vials and some other random card, and I traded it for a full place of the reflecting pools. So I ended up like turning cough into a place of the reflecting pools, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> For sure. Um, and do you guys have any other recommendations on on how to build up your collection? Well, not really a recommendation for people how to build them, but people that do have large collections like I do. Like, I have tons of commons. Like, I was just recently sorting. I sorted, like, 5,000 cards, and then last night it was terrible. So, <laughs> but uh, I started doing this thing where I was, like, when I draft... And I have all these cards already. Like I'll pull out the rares and the good un- uncommons and stuff like that that I want to keep. Like say, like I'll pull out like lightning bolts or corrupted conscious or something like that. I'll pull those out, and then that stack of whatever's left, I just say, you know, who wants these? Free, take them. 
<laughs> it kind of keeps me from having like a, a critical maximum of just random cards that I will never use. Oh, that's true. It helps people out. And so if you do have a large collection, that's something to think about. Yeah, I've found myself with the same problem because um, I'm thinking I have this huge box of cards, like old commons that I'll never use, um, just sitting upstairs in, in my house. And I was thinking I'll probably, uh, I've considered starting selling them on eBay just in thousand, thousand card lots. Like, here's a thousand, you know, cards of this color or, you know, 200 of each color or whatever for, you know, and just put them on eBay, see how much people want, you know, even if they only won't buy them for like $2, you know, it's $2 I didn't have before that, you know, they used on this pile of cards I would never use. So, yeah, they realize that those giant stacks of old commons, the majority will not see any play and really not have any value other than uh, what I did recently, which is build a popper cube, and I'm using a bunch of old crappy commons just to... uh play with a fun a fun cube so uh, other than that probably don't need them uh ha, ha, what's up i found a card for your popper cube and it is something that people should know about what's that just chill to the bone uh what does that destroy do destroy target non-snow creature awesome that's <laughs> that's like that that's um kamigawa card that's like destroy target non-spirit creature rent flesh yeah. it's it's so cool like yeah that's I, I uh, how much it, like, it costs what one green or one black and two it's one black and three i think oh well that's kind of expensive for that <laughs> yeah, but, it's but so it, cool. it is funny yeah that's true how about you uh the beamy is how's your collection looking these days you got a lot of useless cards lying around yeah, and like I said, I try to give them to my friends that don't have, you know, don't get as many new cards. And, like, I, what I'll do is uh, I'll even sort out the junk rares that I think are junk rares, but I think will fit in their decks, you know, and just throw them all. I did. I think I did it for Christmas, which was ahead of time, and I gave them uh, each, like, a... I guess I don't want to say a grocery bag, but you know, like one of the plastic grocery bags, mm-hmm. like full of cards, and just like, <laughs> here, just take these, do what you want with them. I don't know, you know, if you use them or not, but here you go. I think these will work for you, and it, it's a way of clearing out a lot of my old stuff, like you said. And you know, I'm not in this for money. I'm in this because I really love this and I love the game, and you know, it's I'm very fortunate to be able to be a part of it and yet, you know, be able to do the things I can with it. So That's true. I mean, I, I have been mentioning, like, selling stuff on eBay a lot, and it might seem that I'm all about trying to get the money or whatever, but really I'm just trying to get, you know, money so that I can play more Magic because I do like to play it that much. And uh, well, Why aren't you giving them your eBay account link so they can look for uh, sales from you? That's true. So I am going to have some upcoming sales of, uh, you know, random comments coming up. So uh, I believe my my name on there on eBay is Mr. McBongerton. That's M-R-M-C-B-O-N-G-E-R-T-O-N, Mr. McBongerton, all one word, no spaces. You better put that in the show notes <laughs> and spell it correctly. No kidding. It's tough. <laughs> it's a funny name, though. Got it in as a nickname and college from some friends so it's good stuff i wonder why uh i you know there's a time and a place for everything uh robert and it's called college so that's all i'll say about that (laughs) um so yeah there you have it 
building your collection. I would also recommend the uh, Magic Deck Builders Toolkit. Um, it seems like a really good way to, to start out playing Magic. You'll get a bunch of the newer sets of cards, um, you know, some booster packs, and they'll give you a bunch of the staple commons and some of the uncommons that have come out recently. So um, would recommend that. If you don't believe me, go and watch the video of Evan Irwin. Look on YouTube for Evan Irwin and Deck Builders Toolkit and uh, look what he busts in there, and I think you'll be uh, pretty convinced. Um, okay, and that will bring us to listener email. Um, we didn't really get too much. We, we got the comment I, the comments I read at the very beginning of the show, uh, and we got the same guy, Jacob, said uh, on our, uh, in the comments from our last show, because um, we made a comment about how Smitty said on, on the A-Team podcast, Smitty said something about um, Conqueror's Pledge being the best 5-drop in standard. And he said, Smitty said it's the best 5-drop in standard. He corrects himself. I can't defend even that statement, but still don't partially quote people. And... You know what? Uh, he said that it was the best five drop in standard, and then later on, yes, he retracted and, and backstabbed whenever all of his friends were kind of making fun of him and stuff. But I don't believe in letting people off that easily for the comments like that. I remember whenever uh, Glenn Beck was saying how uh, he believed that President Obama was, he thinks, a racist. And then uh, then after <laughs> everyone uh, came down on him for that, he was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. And, you know, uh, I think at the time he probably really thought that. And don't Just because everyone uh, starts coming down on you, you're like, oh, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, that's not what I really meant. Well, you said it at the time, and maybe you shouldn't have said it the first time around. And uh, not that what Smitty said was nearly as bad as that, but uh, he said it, so uh, I'm calling him out on it, and sorry if uh, I did improperly quote him, but that's what he said. I don't know. It's it's pretty bad. Smitty has no problem going out on limbs. That's just his style. That's true. And and you know what? Sometimes, Sometimes it's not bad when you have the testicular courage like he has testicular fortitude yeah fortitude <laughs> yeah to be able to go out there and just lay it out there i mean the guy puts out how many deck lists a lot and is willing to go out and stand by him and takes the slings and arrows i mean he gets he gets criticism from way up the food chain. I mean, people like Chapin and Flores and stuff like that, you know, they'll go, what are you thinking? And then all suddenly, two weeks later, it'll show up in a top eight of something. Right. I know that that tokens deck with the Conqueror's Pledges in it was throwing up some decent results. It's not like a a mainstay of the metagame or anything, but it still seems like a pretty solid deck. And it probably wouldn't be as solid without Conqueror's Pledge. And uh, I I do, I think... um, he, him, and uh, is it Jay Boosh that rags on him so hard all the time? Yes, it's Jay. Oh my God, they they are so funny when the when Smitty's saying stuff and Jay Boosh is just going off on him, especially all the Koldotha Phoenix st- stuff from before. Like I thought that was a really cool card too. I was all on on Smitty's side, but they were just giving it so hard to him whenever he was trying to defend that card. Oh, it's hilarious. So. <laughs> well, the funny thing about it is is Wizards knows what they're designing. And it always seems like there's a card that slips through the cracks. I mean, uh, I remember when uh, um, oh, 
I'm going to forget it. Uh, Noble Hierarch was first printed. Okay. Like, okay, so it has Exalted. It's a one drop. It has three colors. Nobody's playing these three colors together. <laughs> and then all suddenly it's like, oh, wait, here comes the second set. Oh, well, look at this. Now we have cards that play in this. Oh, look, here's the third set. Now we need these. And, you know, they were two, three bucks, and then they shot up to, like, I think it was, what, 19 or 20 or whatever it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think even an even better example of that would be Tarmogoyf. Oh, yeah, Tarmogoyf. Oi. <laughs> when that first came out, I heard it was, like, five bucks. And then all of a sudden, bam, jumps up to, uh, you know, unheard of numbers before that for, like, a standard card. Yeah, well, it was the... It was the Jace the Mind Sculptor at a hundred bucks before anything else. I mean, it's a legacy standard now. Yes, sir. Yeah, there's always a card that I was a fan of that no one ever really played, and it was Marshall's Anthem. Oh yeah. yeah. When when Fauna Shaman first came out, yeah, I got this great idea where I'm going to take Fauna Shaman. I'm going to pitch stuff like um, the giant. Leviathan. Um, Inkwell Leviathan? Yeah, Inkwell Leviathan. Uh, Iona and stuff like that. Pitched to Morthos. <laughs> and then take Marshall's Anthem, kicked once, and just return one of those to play. Uh, yes. I, I was just playing like Birds of Paradise, Noble Hunters, and stuff like that, and like Night of the Reliquary. And, you know, I always thought that deck was so so fun. But would you, would you go to... Would you say that currently... Um, Marshall's Anthem is the best four drop in standard. No. Oh come on, you got to say it so no, we can no. rag on you about it. <laughs> it's not in standard. Oh, oh, it's, oh, I thought that was like in Zendikar. Is no, that a shards card? No, shards. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. So it's the best four drop in extended. What's the big deal? No. no. <laughs> All right, fine. See, uh, now we know who has tes- testicular fortitude and who doesn't. And Smitty has oh. it all. I'm just being real here, because <laughs> Jace is in standard and extended and all that, so, you know. Oh, sure, you're sure. Really... You're on the Jace bandwagon, I see. Jace well, the wallet buster. <laughs> yeah. See, it's not the bandwagon, it's just the card's so good. Like, it, it is good. Uh, yes, it is. I'm just playing. All right, well, let's move on to the next uh, piece of uh, mail here. Uh, we had... Mr. Will, I believe, believe he's the Australian who was on our last um, cast. First he says, nice casts. Yes, thank you, Will. He says, some guesses. So this is referring to our card kit contest we have going on. And he, he listed three cards for the card contest. Now, previously we have mentioned that it's one guess per week per person. So um, make sure you're only sending us one. I will read these three just this one time since none of them are correct. Um, and we'll whittle it down a little bit for you. He said Grey Ogre, Hill Giant, and Herloon Minotaur. He's trying to guess the card. None of those are correct. Although I like the Herloon Minotaur pick. That's a, I like that card, and that's an obscure pick there. So good try. He said, sorry if his last email was too abrasive, but he thinks he uh, that we know the type of people that he's talking about. Uh, he was the one, guys, who wrote that long diatribe rant about um, people who smell who <laughs> are playing magic, like nerds who have horrible hygiene. Hmm. Uh, so I hope you remember that one. It was pretty crazy. But he actually sent a picture of an example of this off of some blog. It's a sign from a store that clearly plays magic because there's a Shards of Alara poster right next to it. The sign reads as follow, 
as follows, which I would love if my store had this sign. I might have to make it. People attending events in this space are expected to conform to normal grooming standards. You may be asked to leave if you or your clothing have an odor offensive to other players. Well, then nobody can play that card because <laughs> in Magic, everybody has odor. Uh, and then one of the first things they tell you before a Grand Prix, shower and soap is not an option. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, uh, you're, you're right. There are just a lot of people who smell very bad that play Magic. But, uh, yeah, actually at our store, I haven't had a problem with that. Uh, so I, that's maybe that's a... a a side effect or one of the advantages of having a small community of players, much less chance of getting that stinky bastard at your, uh, at your store. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, so thank you very much for sending us that in will. And, uh, we didn't, I thought it was funny. Actually, I didn't think it was a, there's nothing to apologize for added a, a nice rant to our show. I think we need some more rants. So was uh, he also the guy that hates people that shuffle cards in their hand? I don't remember if that was him or somebody else. But let me read off. Let me see. We also got some other contest guesses, some card contest guesses. Somebody said, is it Steam Flogger Boss? Also a good guess. Not the right card, though. I'm still waiting for some nice contraptions to come out to, so that card can see some more play. That was from Anthony, if I didn't already mention that. And then our pal Sarkin Mad, who has written to us many times before, um, also had a card guess, and he said uh, Veteran Brawlers. And I'm not sure what that card does, but that is not the card that I'm thinking of. What does Veteran Brawlers do? Anybody know that card? Gatherer knows what it does. Uh, yes. We don't even have to bother with it. It's the, you know, one of the reasons that he's guessing it is because it's horrible. And no, I said it's probably horrible, and it is horrible, and nobody plays it, and that's why he guessed it. So, no Veteran Brawlers. But maybe I'll just go ahead. I think that was all the guesses we had for the card contest. I'll go ahead and give out the next clue for the contest. Uh, have you heard any of these before, uh, the Beamy? Yeah, I, I'm, uh, but unfortunately, it's like 1 in the morning for me, and I'm trying to piece it together. Yeah. Well, no, it's uh, we have a contest where we're just having people... I'm thinking of a card, and I've yeah. been giving clues every week as to what it is, and I've been really slow rolling it. I don't want people to get it right away, so I take, give like a really minor clue every week. What are some of the clues I've already given? It's it's um, it's really bad. It's a legacy legal card. It's a creature. Yeah, the legacy legal one was like, oh, great, that only <laughs> makes it how many cards? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I forget what some of my uh, other... I don't know that I had any other really. It's not a token or anything like that. Yeah, it's no, it's not a special, you know, card. It's legacy legal. Um, so my clue this week is that it, the set that it came, uh, that it was in, came out in the 1990s. So it's an older card. Uh, Again, <laughs> narrowing it how? <laughs> oh, that's a you, that that's more than half of the cards in Magic right there. I'm telling you, that was a great clue. Uh, so, um, but we're having a uh, some interesting guesses. Uh, I just like reminiscing about some of the cards these people are mentioning. I've also liked how all of them so far have been red. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> um, I, I think they know you too well. Maybe, maybe because I'm always talking about red decks, they're thinking red. Yeah. Maybe it is red, there's a 20% chance it is, I suppose. Or, well, no, then you have artifacts and gold cards and all that, so. Yeah, but there you go, there's your slow roll uh, 
clue of the week, and we'll continue to give these out. I swear I'm starting to run out of ways to make it very vague, so <laughs> I'm going to have to start narrowing it down here pretty soon. Well, if you really want a really crappy card that might fit your answer, yeah. how about Daruthi Mind Ripper? Mind Dripper. I don't even know what that is. It's a shadow creature. Those are uh, horrible. I, are... Lo- I love shadow creatures. Oh, uh, yeah, but they were horrible because they were, they were the... They were the poison cards before poison became, you know, back oh, in the That's what really got me into, like, the Pro Tour was Matt Lindy winning nationals with a freaking white weenie where he just throws down Solteri Priest and then slaps an Imperial armor on it and goes all the way. It's crazy. Uh-huh. I loved I loved it so much. Yeah, Matt Lindy, Mike Long, and then and, uh, I remember, Chris, you had that tape of the national championships. We must have watched it, I don't know how many times. Yeah, it was so, bad. So, so my Dorothy <laughs> Mind Ripper is not the answer? Uh, no, unfortunately not. That was your guess for the week. Oh, come on. I mean, it's a great card. You know, you sacrifice a defending player, chooses and discards three cards, use it only if it's attacked and unblocked. That's pretty sweet. That's like a basalt throw. <laughs> or no, a mind stab, mind stab throw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, come on. It's it is it is a, a good a good guess, but that's not oh. the one. So oh. you, I think everyone will really really. Uh, be convinced that the card that I pick is one of the crappiest cards ever made. Or the one in my mind. So, um, so there you go. There's your clues for the week. And please send us your card contest uh, guesses. But send those to, like I said, my Twitter or my email. So that way I know that you are you. And if you just say it in the comments and I say, this person won, and the first person that contacts me with their address gets it, uh, even though you were the one that guessed it. Just make sure you send it to me so I know you are you. Um, and let me see. Oh, uh, I wanted to mention something else about the card contest. Oh, the pro- the prizes. Um, prizes are pretty sweet. Yeah, so I'm giving, like I said before, a Mutavault. I'm giving a full art foil um, Zendikar Island, which is of like a $5 land. Um, Robert is giving a Grave Titan. And at the uh, from my winnings at my, the pre-release and the release, I'm giving a also adding into the pot a Mirren faction pack and a Frexian faction pack. So the, uh, the 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 winnings are going up here. So I hope people uh, start guessing a little more often. I mean, we had three entries this past week. Uh, I can take as many as people are listening to the show, and it doesn't take any more than guessing a random card and to, to enter. So, But remember, one entry per week from, per person. I'm only taking the first card I read from every entry if you write more than one. So what you're saying is is by episode 250, you'll have a winner. I, I sure as hell hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because at the rate you're rolling clues out for this, yeah, it could be. Yeah, and this has no black border. <laughs> oh, okay, we've eliminated some more. All right, thank Man, you, everybody. I consider the border. Yeah, thanks. I can. <laughs> You're giving me some good ideas on how to keep this thing going. Uh, no, I'm 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 gonna start uh, start r- rolling it. Uh, you know, giving some some better clues. So I think in the next, uh, I don't know, maybe five podcasts, people will have a, a realistic shot at hitting this. Maybe maybe sooner than that. So all right, there you have it. That's pretty much it for the week. Did anybody else have anything they wanted to add or contribute? Crickets. Okay. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, the Beamy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry that uh, the reason we had to have you on was because of uh, a Steelers loss. But uh, better luck next season for me, I suppose. Well, like I said, and we would have been glad to have you on Mass Had 
you know, <laughs> the Steelers won, it wouldn't have been a problem. Uh, this week we probably could have used you because we had a few audio difficulties with our our third person. But uh, yeah, uh, we had uh, Dr. Jeebus on it. Uh, no, it sounded like he was on the phone. Um, I listened I think, to that podcast already. I think he was in a submarine. <laughs> yeah, although uh, they were kind of driving me crazy at the beginning because you kept saying, you kept leaving like open-ended questions and they would be like, or you were like, did you guys see that? Did you guys, pl- you know, hear about this? And they're like, no. <laughs> Just every question you asked, no. Well, they had no you know, idea. There are some nights where your podcast rolls and flows and everything's great and people are, you know, bounding answers back and forth. And then there are times where it's like, I'm setting you up with softballs and nobody can swing the bat today. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I think this one's gone pretty well, but we'll let the, the listeners be uh, the judges of that. So uh, let's give some peace outs, as we usually do here. Uh, the Beamy, you're up. What, what's your peace out for the week? Oh, that, uh, let's see. I want to peace out to thank my, thank God my wife actually deals with me with all this crap. Uh, let's see. This week it's two, three, four, five podcasts this week. I was actually going to mention that, too, because, yeah, your wife must be a saint, because uh, there's no way my wife would let me be on as many podcasts as you are. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Mondays are not as frequent as they, you know, as they used to be, and then I do two on Wednesday because of the Meta Magic, and then, like, this week, uh, Thursday, we do the hard cast, and... You know, and then there's you guys. Fortunately, I, I could do it late, but uh, yeah. So my wife goes to bed about mm, let's see, it's one, like four hours ago. So oh. my wife's my wife's completely in Z-land. Right now. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, mine as well. All right. Well, yes. Thank you uh, to the Beamy's wife. And uh, Robert, what piece out do you got for us? Keep it chill to the bone. Keep it chill to the bone. Yes. Chilling touch. Uh, all right, and Christopher. Uh, keep it nerdy, y'all. <laughs> Christopher, you've been kind of quiet today. I will. We'll make sure you get some expanded sections on the next podcast. All right, sounds uh, good. Sweet. It'll be Chris's corner. All right, and uh, yeah, from me, uh, I'm saying, peace out. Black and yellow. Black and yellow. Black and yellow. Black and yellow. Next peace year. <laughs> yeah, next year. Bye bye. <laughs> Yeah, I'm screaming ass now When I pulled up the line